When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bole, as always, coming to you on Christmas Eve by the time you are listening to this. And if you're listening to this on Christmas, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody. The Avalanche win two in a row with a comeback win over the Ottawa Senators and a much cleaner, much less stressful 4-1 to win over the Arizona Coyotes on Friday night. Ottawa game. Very stressful, should not have been stressful, but the Avs pull it out and win. And this Arizona game that we are fresh off of was never in doubt for a single second, which was very refreshing. Was that like the first, this Arizona game, I'm trying to think of a game this year that's been as calm as that one. I don't know if we've had a game this year where it's like that third period, it was kind of just like, oh, I don't really have to pay too much attention to this. Where San Jose recently was pretty smooth sailing. Yeah. Other yeah, but like that. this one, I don't know. I, this felt like the first game where you were like, okay, I don't need to worry about jack shit in this yeah. one. Because the, the second period was good. Yeah. It was a genuine Christmas miracle that they... The first they period got. was good. Yeah. The second period was good. And the third period was good. It was crazy. A full 60-minute performance. It just wrapped up in a neat little box and delivered to Avs fans all over the world. They didn't give up a, a late goal in the first period or any period. For that matter, they had a good second period. They finished it strong. You kept the McKinnon point streak going. Just everything you could have wanted that you can take into this Christmas break now. And what could have very quickly rolled into a disaster with the Ottawa game, almost going the way that it did ever since the Chicago game and the the Taze comments that had everyone freaking out, they won two in a row. We're going to see the Coyotes again on Wednesday after the Christmas break, but you can take this into the next four days and calm the hell down. Yeah. Did you hear that too on the broadcast late where it's like they won't be able to fly out until the day of the game for the kind yeah, of Yeah, I did hear that. I mean, the NHL, they, to their credit, they do a lot more for Christmas and the holiday break than they do for other sports. I kind of right. like that they don't make everyone go travel on Christmas or anything like that. Like the in the NBA, Christmas games are a massive thing. I think there's three games in the NFL on Christmas this year, the Ravens being one of them. Like, it's kind of nice. The NHL just kind of gives it off. Yeah, it is just weird thinking that you're going to travel the day of. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they do this exact same thing last year? Where they played the Coyotes after, and then they kind of got their asses kicked in that game? Sounds very familiar. Yeah, I think they lost 6-2. to Yeah, it wasn't pretty from what I'm going to bring off the top of my head. It was also like we didn't have any players. 
Yeah, that could be the case too. But yeah, it's just weird that it, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. Um, I'm like, why don't they just do it? Honestly, just give the players an extra day and then start again on the 27th. So then everyone could, but whatever. The NHL is doing a nice thing, letting people spend their holidays with their family. But overall, man, like, should, should we talk about the Coyotes game first? You want to talk about the Senators game first? Kind of our thoughts about it. I mean, the most important thing in this episode is Nathan McKinnon. And it's really hard to talk about the Arizona game first when Nathan McKinnon had the game that he did against the Ottawa Senators. Four goals, five points. The first four-goal game in Avalanche history, which I was surprised to see that that had never happened before. But McKinnon does it. And he he had nine shots on goal in this game and almost shot 50%. Which That's pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous. And right now... There is no doubt in my mind, I don't think there should be a doubt in, anyone mind, in anyone's mind who the leader of the heart conversation should be. Nikita Kucherov, you're right. You nailed it right on the head. Exactly. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. No, it should be McKinnon. That game against Ottawa was, I, I think we'll, when McKinnon's career is over, I think we will talk about that game for a while because that was the best player on the ice showcasing that he was the best player on the ice and it wasn't even close. Yeah. So I would, I would, I can't remember the last time I've seen a player score four goals in, in a game. Was it Zibanejad against the Capitals? No, you're thinking of five. Oh, that was five. That was yeah. five. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to bring up bad memories there. Um, no, I know that one. Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I just don't really know if there's a case to be made for any other player right now for what McKinnon's doing keeping this team in the hunt for the division when I think for a majority of these past like three weeks of episodes, we've been talking about how inconsistent this team is and how some bad losses have piled up and all the other bullshit. The one constant probably since the beginning of December has been Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. McKinnon has been otherworldly pretty much since the turn of the calendar. Like we were actively complaining about Nathan McKinnon while he was still on this current point streak. Correct. And he's still on it right now and still has taken it to the next level. The last time he did not score a point was ironically the comeback in Dallas. You would think that'd be a game where he stumbled his way into a point when we had six goals in that comeback. But ever since then, he's been lights out. And the last one before that was the, the Vegas blowout. Ever since then, he has had more multi-point games, I believe, than one-point games. He's playing out of his mind. And the, the weird thing about the heart conversation right now, if we're if we're really going to do it, is there's still so much hockey left to play at this point. So it almost feels a little ridiculous to start talking about the heart because there's so much that can still happen. It could very well still be McKinnon that ends up winning it, and I believe he should. But... Right now, Nikita Kucherov does lead the league in points. And if the Lightning back into an eight seed or a seven seed, or if the Oilers come back and make the playoffs and McDavid is within striking distance of the scoring title, he's probably going to end up winning it. But it just feels like with McKinnon, the rules change for him. Remember, like we all remember the, the last two times he was nominated for the heart and against Taylor Hall. The argument was, well, look how many more points Hall has than the next guy on this team he's he's dragging this devil's team to the playoffs that was bad last year he's doing it all by himself and, you know mckinnon will get his he'll get he'll get his and then against dry 
when the Avs were nothing but hurt all that season. Burakovsky's first season with the team, which is the only reason I remember this, because for most of the season, it was McKinnon at like a million points and Burakovsky is yep. following in at second for forwards. And it's like, yeah, well, Drysaddle played 10 games without McDavid. So that kind of won him the heart for some reason, even though McKinnon was very clearly the most valuable player in the league. So I'm just, I'm curious what the excuse is going to be this time as for why he shouldn't get, because if he plays like this, he is the most valuable player. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like the funny part that McDavid missed what, like four games. Right. That season, like he, he missed like a handful of games. Oh, I was talking this season. I was um, talking this season. Like I'm looking at the stat. He's, he's still fifth in the league in points. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, McDavid is McDavid. You can't discredit him. It's, I just think the voter for like, I don't know why. I just think McDavid's already out of it. I I, make it make sense. I just think they aren't going to give it to McDavid again, even though he probably will in the end be in the top three in points. Kucherov, I, I think he's just quietly has 57. Like that sounds weird to say, but he's quietly in the league because Tampa Bay is okay. Like they aren't great this year and Vasilevsky has been back and they've been winning some games, but there's not one player on planet earth right now who's more important to their team than Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, there's and, not a, there's not a player who was better in the calendar year of 2022 than Nathan McKinnon was 2023. From, I'm sorry, 2023. I'm sorry. I've yeah. still got the, I've got the banner behind me that says, yeah, no, you're, but yeah, you're in 2023, good. there was not a better player on earth. Than Nathan McKinnon. He led the entire league in point scoring for this entire year, not the season, but the year. And I imagine in the few handful of games that are going to end the year after the Christmas break, he's going to still be leading in that category as well. I mean, if, if he does keep up this pace, he's not going to keep up the point streak for the rest of the season, even though that would be very nice. That'd be cool. Help his case. But this game against the Coyotes pushed him to the longest point streak in the league so far this season. If that holds, that'll certainly help his case for MVP. But when you do have the heart conversations, I feel like you do need to start like making your case around this time. Like you just need to start to enter the conversation because this is when people do kind of make up their minds and have like their top five compete against each other. And I don't know. I I really hope he can do it because he's owed two at this point. He should already have two of them. He should. And the crazy part is, is we haven't hit the new year. And if you remember, Nathan McKinnon really starts to turn it on at the new year. Can you imagine <laughs> if he goes up another level? Right, that's what year? I'm saying, man. Like he could be, he could do it because we've said like the past three years, it's the same thing where once January 1st hits, he puts it into full gear and he really starts going. So we, we could see the goalbenders start to really go for him. I mean, because last year was injuries that had him out for the, the first portion of the season comes back in January and turns on two years ago. Didn't he have what, like two, three goals when it came to, to January yes. and he still hit 40 and he still hit 40 goals. And then he did it again last year as well. He, he was still in like single digits, right? Yes. And then still turned it on for 40 goals at that point. Can you imagine if he goes to that goal scoring level now and he's already at 18 that's what I'm saying, man. That's he a, could hit 50. It's a scary thought. He could scary hit 50. Thought. And you look, you look at it, man. He he leads the league in assists at 36. So that's that's pretty good. Setting up your team. And then he is, I'm looking at the stats right now, tied for eighth in goals right now. I would say like his goals will probably start to balance more out and help. Minimum, he's gonna hit 40. Minimum, he's gonna hit 40. Oh, he's gonna hit 40 sleepwalking. That's what I'm saying. Minimum. He will do that backing into it. 
Yeah, so minimum 40. I, I just don't see how you can talk him out of it if he continues this pace. Kucherov already has one, and I don't know. It felt like once he won one, everyone was kind of like, oh, he got his. Let's push see, him to the side. Because here's the thing. It's like, let's say, theoretically, hypothetically speaking, McKinnon does keep this up the entire season. If he doesn't get it, I don't think he ever will. Because there's going to have to be the conversation of we owe him one. That is a real conversation that yes. people who vote on these awards have. It's why Marc-Andre Fleury has a Vesna. It's why Mark Giordano has a Norris. Like, you feel like you've got to give it to the other guy at a certain point. Like, it's his time. He deserves one. And if we're still going to continue the narrative that McKinnon cannot win the heart because he has good teammates, then that's just never going to break. He's going to need to lead the league by 30 points every yep. single year and have both Rantanen and Makar out the entire season. Yep. That's the only way he's going to do. I, I, I just think worst case, worst case, I think low point wise, he finishes at 120. Low. I think that's the lowest he goes. He could hit 130 this year. He could. I mean, he's playing that well. If like, because right now he's at 53. 54. Yeah, 54. They're going to add that assist he had on the, the Val game winning goal today to that list. So he's at 54 right now. He's on, like, he, I, yeah, 130 could be lowballing it, honestly. Yeah. Like, with the way he turns it on, like, when the going gets tough in late in the season and he's scoring all those clutch goals and just, he's already doing it now, just quietly having two, three point nights sprinkles in a five point night there as well against the senators. He might not turn it to another level. Cause he might just already be there and just continue to do it throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible, man. It's been a joy to watch him play this past month and it sounds weird, but this might be the best we've seen him. In his yeah, career. I don't think I don't think that's crazy to say when when he's playing like this, when he's coming out to the media and saying, like, yeah, the game just feels slow to me right now. That's a horrifying thought for right. the rest of the league that Nathan McKinnon's just like, oh, that's better. And f- just figures it out when he was already putting up two to three points a game. And now he's just feeling like the game's slowing down for him on top of that, because this game against Ottawa, all Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and goals in this yep. game there, there was no help in this game without them they get crushed yeah i mean i'm trying to think like it reminded me very much like that game against auto reminded me very much of the team like grubauer's first year where it was like if mckinnon and ranson don't have a crazy night then we're not winning this game and the funny part is is i thought ranson in this game was okay I didn't think he was that great. He missed the net so many times in this game against Ottawa, yet he still ends up with two goals, the game-winning goal, and you have McKinnon get four goals and five points. Yeah. I mean, Rantanen struggled at points in this game against Ottawa, still put up two goals, had that massive goal at the end of the second period to cut the lead to, to one going into the third, and there was nothing from the depth in this no. game whatsoever. Dude, if they would have lost that game, I think we would have come on here and just fucking roasted this team. It was a lot like the Calgary game where if they don't make that comeback, there would have been a lot of angry fans. Yeah, it, it, it's it's weird that we've had the same game like twice where they right. are pretty much in the exact same position where they're just they're not playing well. They're giving up bad chances in front of their goalie. Their goalie's not giving them a ton of help behind them. Then Georgiev makes a couple of big saves to keep it from getting worse. And then they just roll it off in the third period and win it in regulation. It's weird that that's happened twice against a Canadian team in, yeah. in Colorado. And, 
Yeah, that's the part that's frustrating is we've talked about before, like this entire season so far has been, we know what this team can do. We know what they can do. It's just, they sometimes just forget how to fucking play hockey. They just forget. And that second period against Ottawa, I think that may have been the worst period they've ever played. It's close. Like it's, it's really close. Like on paper, it's bad, but we've had ones that on paper look worse. Georgiev gave up some soft goals for sure. They could have legitimately scored 10 on him with the yes. amount of odd man rushes that they gave up in this period. And it's it's like they said after the game, like Bednar said that the second period was terrible. It was odd man rush after odd man rush. And if it wasn't for this game against Arizona, we would still be ragging on the fact that this team just does not play in the second period. Like their that, goal differential in the second period is, is shocking compared to everything else. It's they so do. bad. It, it's, it, it's like that meme with the three dragons. When then the ones just looking like has a silly face on it. That mm-hmm. that's what the abs are in the second period. Um, I just don't even like that second period. I, I agree with what you said. Georgiev let some soft ones in, but without Georgiev in that game, the abs could have been down seven to two after yeah. the second. I mean, period. we we this week we saw two teams give up nine goals, and then the Sabers were one of them, and then they scored nine in their next game against the Leafs. The abs very well could have given up nine in this yes. game if it was not for Georgiev making some ridiculous saves because he gave up four and still finished with a 9-11 save percentage because they gave up 40 plus shots. Yeah. I think the, after the first period, the Avs route shooting the senators like 23 to nine. And then after the second period, it was like senators had like 30 to 28. That was the shot. It was really bad. It was crazy. It was 20 to nine after the first period. And then it was 21 to 12 Ottawa in the next period. So it was 30 to 32 at that point we still had the lead yeah that second period was brutal man and i i don't know like let's let's quickly talk about georgiev because i think at at, if if that game would have ended after 30 minutes i think a lot of people would have been very upset and wanting to trade for another goalie oh they didn't stop them yeah that that already happened yeah um but what I saw in the last 30 minutes of that game against the centers and then what I saw tonight against the Coyotes, that's the Alexander Georgiev I know. And it's in there. And hopefully he can start stringing together some games because I think he just needed a confidence boost and maybe just more consistent playing time. But he's getting better. He's showing progress. So much better. Year. He's getting so much better. I mean, the, the Calgary game was a stinker from him for a yes. couple of games ago where Prozvatov had to come in and then do what he did in this game against Ottawa and save them. Then against San Jose, it was great. You can't pin any of those two goals on him, and they blew out that game. Against Chicago, they left him out to dry on all three of those goals. Really not much he can do. And then against Ottawa, the the fourth one is the one that stands out. As yeah, that was bad. Just, just a really, really bad goal. Potentially could have been a backbreaker to give up to go down 4-2 to two at that point. But then he comes back and ma- makes one of the best saves of the year that I've not seen get any attention. The one where he's diving across and makes that save with the blocker on the wide open net. Oh, see, the one I remember is that one where he, I, can't, I think it was Batherson. He stuffed on the on the far post with yeah, his left that, pad. That's what I'm talking about. The, the oh, one, is that he yeah. made one with his left pad and then one with his blocker later in the game. Yeah, like I think, th- yeah, there was the one with the blocker too. I'm thinking of the one where he he stops the stuff attempt on the side of the net yeah. that would have ended the game at that yes. point. And that is what makes it so frustrating because he did that like seven minutes later. 
where after he gives up that terrible goal, he makes that incredible save that kind of galvanized the team to go out there and finish the job. You know he's good. We saw it all last season. He has the ability in him. Just for some reason this year, there's just been these little sprinkles of inconsistency and just sometimes just missing pucks. And then against Arizona today, no complaints. You can't say anything bad. Well, and I want to ask the question too, like, is that just kind of normal for an NHL goalie? Like, I feel like all goalies throughout a year go through these spurts. Like, I think I Shesterkin just went on a terrible streak. Shesterkin's been mediocre at best. Yeah, like he Jonathan Quick started over him against a bigger game against the Oilers, and like it, it just happens sometimes with goalies. Like they they'd go through this. Like there were points last year where Vasilevsky kind of got his ass kicked in the playoffs. Like he he kind of got dominated by Toronto. It happens to goalies. Like it's the it's the toughest position to play in sports. You're mentally, you have to be the strongest, I think, of any professional athlete. And sometimes your brain's going to fuck up and yeah. you're, you're not going to be able to do stuff. So, yeah, he's been inconsistent this year. But I think that just is what happens with goalies, man. You can't just say, trade him, do all this stuff. I, I just think we've yeah, kind of been spoiled I don't with think, the goalie. I don't think people understand how difficult acquiring goalies is, especially right. like, oh, they need to go trade for John Gibson. That's not going to work, nor is that at all feasible to trade for an older goalie with a more expensive, longer contract with a much more extended history of inconsistency. Right. If you're frustrated with Alex Georgiev, John Gibson would be drawn and quartered by this fan base if we actually did that. People yeah. would hate him after 10 games. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, yeah, the Abs goaltending hasn't been great this year. Why don't you go ask a Toronto Maple Leafs fan how they're feeling about their goaltending? Christian, I'm going to run a little quiz with you right now. I want you to name me the top five goalies in terms of save percentage this season. Demko's got to be up there. Nope. Uh, I was almost said Samsonov. Uh, Sorokin? Uh, Sorokin is not. Lindgren? Number two. Uh, is Darcy Kemper up there, too? Nope. Um... This is terrible radio. Let me nope, get one more guess. And if I don't you get got it. one more guess and I'll just give it to you. Yep. Uh, shit. Nope. He's not there either. I know. I have no idea. Just rile him off to me. I'm, I'm like having goalies pop in my head. I'm like, no, wait, that guy's terrible. I almost said it, it, yeah, And you, I can't even blame you for this because this is the most random assortment of goalies I've ever seen. Number one is Aiden Hill at a 933. Number Good two, man. you got Charlie Lindgren in 928. Number three is Jeremy Swayman at 928. Number that. four is Cam Talbot. 926. Very funny. Five is Casey DeSmith. Yeah. Not even even Thatcher Demko, Casey DeSmith. Yeah. It's goaltending's hard (laughs) to fucking. Goaltending's a fucked up position. There is some wizardry and some bullshit here. It's like when you're in an off season, you can't predict this stuff that like just magically Jonathan Quick is back and is a 920 save percentage after being one of the worst goalies in the league last year. Connor back. Connor Ingram, who got torched in this game against the Avs, has been amazing for most of this year. And, you know, it's not even Sorokin on this list for the Islanders. It's Varlamov at 919. Like you And Connor Hellebuck's barely on the list at 918. But all these elite goalies that everyone talks about, they're not here right now. It's a lot of backups on this list and, like, borderline fringe starters. It's a bullshit position that is absolutely impossible to predict you can't predict it. And I, I could get upset. I I get why people get upset about goaltending, 
we could have it a lot worse, man. We could have it a lot worse than what it's been. Like, ask the Hurricanes fans how their season's going with their goaltending. Right. Like, that's that's a team that has a goaltending crisis. We don't have a crisis. We've had just some blips of inconsistency. Yeah, we, we've had some games where Georgiev has not been the best. But a lot of those games have also been in games where the Avs have not been very good. Correct. There have been very few times where you look at and say, Georgiev alone is the reason we did not get two points in this game. Because even his bad game against Calgary, we won that game. Yeah, right. it was because Brozotov came in, but we still won that game. And the game against Ottawa, he made enough saves after that. They still went and won that game. A lot of his bad performances have been buried by the fact that they pulled it out of the fire anyway, or they just played so shit that it didn't matter. Yeah. And you talk about he gave up that fourth goal. He didn't allow another one after that. Didn't allow yeah, another you, one. You don't that. score five on the guy. Yeah. You Say don't what score you will. Five. You don't score five on Gearing. Yeah. And sometimes for the Avs, that's enough. Right. I, what was it on the broadcast? They said if the Avs score five goals, they're undefeated. I was like, I sure fucking hope so. so. Actually, I sure fucking goals. hope so. If you're scoring yeah. five goals, <laughs> you're, you're undefeated. Five goals, you, should, you should win. But I, I just think everyone needs to like you can criticize Georgiev, yeah. but there's there's a lot worse situations out there than having Alexander Georgiev, and I'll I'll take it, I'll ride or die with Georgiev. Um, and if we're being honest, I don't really think it's been a goaltending problem for the Avs this year. I think it's been more a defensive problem for the Avs. Yeah, there's a big difference between you have a goaltending crisis and everything has been kind of a problem so yeah. far this season. And like with Georgiev, I I think you put it. Pretty perfectly. It could be so much worse. Yeah, you know, your starting goalie is a 900 right now. He's a 900 right on the money. A lot of that's dragged down by a lot of stuff from late October, November, where he just could not get above a 900 to save his life, even if he did play pretty well. And they were winning. And they were still winning. And they still found a way to get it done. Like, they don't have to trade anyone. They don't have to bring in some bad deals. They're not signing anyone to professional tryouts like now, like the Hurricanes are. Ooh. They didn't have to put Antti Ranta or Jack Campbell on waivers recently they're fine Georgiev's numbers are only going to get better he's probably still going to finish the season like probably a 9 10 ish probably like in that ballpark Dude, if he gets to that i'll be happy yeah that's that's what you want out of a starting goalie i don't think there's no vesna in his future this season he's not going to finish at a 920 unless he plays at an absurd pace the rest of the way i actually kind of don't want him to play at an absurd pace i'd rather have him fresh for the playoffs yeah, I mean, I'd love for him to just save every shot. Yeah, that'd that's be great. Just, that's not how goaltending works sometimes. Like, like, there's going to be games like he had against Arizona where he looked like nothing can beat him, and then there's going to be games like the first 30 minutes of the Ottawa game where it's going to look like a beach ball could beat him. That's just how goaltending works, man. And, and look, it's because it's all going to come down to the playoffs anyway. If he finishes the season at 900 even and then is a 940 in the playoffs, nobody's going to remember this. It's also yeah. the same way. If he's an 800 in the playoffs, no one's going to remember any game he was good in the regular season. Correct. Correct. And I mean, Darcy Kemper had a 900 save percentage and signed a big, huge goaltending contract in the offseason. Like that, that's just how it works. So he won the cup. That's all that matters. Uh, I, I just, I think the discourse around the goalies is kind of funny because it could be so much worse. Like you watch some of like the goaltending in the NHL this year, kind of like that whole point you just said, it's been bad. Like there are a lot of bad goaltenders this year. Yeah, it's a it is a weird little fucked up position right now. Like Alex, like I was opening the rest of the list to see who's rounding out the top ten. Delkovich, Joseph. No Wolf. way, Delkovich yeah. is in the top ten. He's number ten, nine seventeen. Holy shit! Granted, yeah, he's played. Good. Granted, he's played ten games, but yeah. also still pretty impressive. But like you, you have your Vasilevskis at a nine oh eight. 
you have your your like everyone's John Gibson perennially on the trade block as a 906. Igor Shesterkin's a 906. Jake Ottinger is a 901. Did you know he was a 901? When did that happen? Uh, I, that's news to me. I mean, he did give up six to the Avs, so he did. But like, I I feel like he was like a 940, and then I blinked and he was off the page, and I just never thought about it again. When did yeah. that happen? He was a 901. That's actually crazy. Yeah, like the goaltending position's fucked. It's just a fucked position. I do feel confident with Georgiev. He signed for what? One more year after this year? Yeah, one more year after this year at three point four. It's a pretty good deal for a yeah, starting. That's a pretty good deal. And then when that contract's up, he's gonna get five million plus again. We might be doing the same thing. We might be doing this with a goalie, and it might not work. So be appreciative of what you have with Georgiev while it's still here. Yes. So it the Georgiev context, you, you can just calm down. Um, my other big takeaway from this Ottawa game was I don't want to complain about the officiating, but the centers had like what nine power plays in the third period. It seemed like there was a solid like 10 minute stretch. They had a power play every minute and a couple of them seemed like video game penalties. Like the, like you don't play NHL, the video game, but I played it enough when when you dive and you trip someone like it felt like those were the penalties that people were taking. Uh, those were rough, and we we've had this conversation before on the show. The offside challenge is it's I wouldn't say it's killing the sport, but it's just so minuscule. It just drives me crazy. Like we saw it tonight in, in the Capitals Lightning game, he was a millimeter offsides, a millimeter, and they called back what would have been the game winning goal. And yeah. in this one, they almost took away. Uh, Nathan McKinnon hat trick goal on a goal that happened 35 seconds after the puck went into the zone. Yeah, my stance on offside, I think I'm I'm ready to to put my foot down on this. Is if you missed it, sucks. You if you really care about offside, get a detection system. Put something yep. in the puck. Like if we're gonna be worried about if the puck crossed the line on the goal, then it should be the same thing with offside. If the if you can detect if the puck is in before everyone else is onside it should be blown dead immediately there should be a system in place that stops this shit from happening because honestly they probably were offside well that's the thing the ottawa kind of got fucked because there wasn't a camera angle to prove that he was offsides because i agree with you he probably was offsides but 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 that's the definitive camera angle capital capital p probably offside they could not definitively prove that he was not onside because there was no good camera angle is a fantastic screen to set up they should they should give him an assist on that mckinnon goal and but also okay they call him offside so everyone just threw their hats on the ice for a hat trick and then (laughs) and they just call it back which is so unbelievably lame and boring and bad for the sport. That sucks. You pay money to go to a game. You see a hat trick. You throw a hat that some people probably had for multiple years at that point. Maybe some of them, like the Stanley Cup hat, like I'm wearing now, probably means something. You throw it on the ice and they call it back. That sucks. Like, oh, dude, genuinely stupid. What's your thought? I I'm of the opinion I will never throw my hat. I, I I used to. I've been I've been to actually a good handful of hat tricks in my life. Well, you you've cheered for the greatest goal scorer, Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. So I've got to see a couple of them in my lifetime. If I stopped throwing them after I started wearing my cup hats to the game, because it's just like I, right. I can't throw this. I have an emotional bomb with my hats. Like like there's a one hat in there that I I wore for Game Six of the Stanley Cup Finals. I will never throw that hat 
because of what that memory means to me. So like I'm, I'm for like, if you throw a hat, good for you, man. I also am a little self-conscious of what the top of my head looks like since I'm losing my hair. One to talk to you because you don't have any hair, but I will never throw my hat and call me lame all you want. I paid good money for that hat. I have special memories with those hats that I don't want to waste. And I'm, just... I'm, I'm sentimental. I'm, I'm on the same page. Right. If it's a new hat, sure. Like right. even then, I okay, I paid the money for it. But like, it's not about the money. It's about the attachment. This thing right. is molded to fit my head. Correct. And I got you have memories. Big, yeah. Like I got some memories. But I also got a big fucking cranium. Not every hat I wear fits. <laughs> Me so, too, I need, so the ones that do fit, they need to, to stay. Correct. Correct. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Though. We'll probably get roasted. People are like, you guys are lame. Like, I, I, I'm sentimental. Okay. I, well, I I'm paid gonna, money for it. Dude, it's my hat. Were you the same way as me? Like I always kept like, I keep all my tickets. Like if I get a paper ticket for anything, I keep. Oh, I used to be like that. But then obviously everything moved online. Digital. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, the offsides rule. It's just, I feel like Ottawa kind of got screwed there because from where the coaches were standing, he probably was offsides, but they can't, they don't have a camera there. So it kind of fucks them. It also helps that Val Nachushkin is six foot four. And I love, did you see Evan's tweet? Thank God Val's eight foot nine. That was like, that was a good one, Evan. That was a good one. Um, because you're right. It probably was offsides, but the camera angles, you just couldn't tell. It's a waste of everybody's time. They right. stare at that thing for five minutes just to be like, I don't know. No, we can't tell. So Ottawa probably gets screwed and everyone has to wonder if they're getting their time wasted and everyone's just sitting on the bench wondering if the hat trick they just tossed their hat on the ice for is going to count. Turns out it does, best case scenario. But if like, if you missed it, I'm sorry, I don't care. And if you can't tell because it's a centimeter offside, I don't give a shit that it did not affect the play. It's such a minuscule thing. I know you got to put the line somewhere. But that's why you probably need a detection system for this then. So we can avoid this fucking nonsense. It is crazy. Like with all the technology, in this, we can't just have like a, like a very simple. Oh, Christian, it's so, it's so hard. Yeah. You know, it would take time. It would cost money. Yeah, they don't just, care about that shit. It's also crazy because it's like, it's the same thing with football. Like wh- why can't we just have like a sensor in the ball that tells you if it's a first down or not? Why do like, and, and like, and like baseball, you're, you're really telling me we need someone behind the plate still to call right. balls and strikes. I don't buy it. Yeah. So that, that part was lame. I'm glad that the goal stands and then the abs get the game winner off of Miko's. He finally scored on one of those deflections from behind the goal line, which I feel like he tries at least like, once or twice a game because the thing was on this like he wasn't even behind the goal line. he was just like so far to the left yeah the fact that that somehow found its way into the net it's not great goaltending no. but for Rantanen he got the one the other night and now they're just starting to, to find their way in the back of the net form power plays back which is good dude they've been four clipping at 50 percent yeah 50 percent yeah they went four for five in this game ridiculous uh, it, it again it, hockey is just a weird sport like there was before two weeks ago, the Avs power play was in shambles, and now it's like, oh, they're good again. Yep, That's hockey's just works. a weird sport, man. Yeah, it's a weird, random sport that does not make any sense and will never make any sense. But yeah, I know we've been kind of talking about the Senators game for the most part, but I feel like we've been a little bit hinting at this Coyotes game every here and there. Most the thing is, part. is like the Coyotes game. What, what do you say about it? Like that was a perfect game from the Avs. Like, yeah. Every part of that game was perfect everything that we said about there was no depth scoring in the ottawa game pretty much every goal was depth scoring in the arizona game yeah and your gift stands on his head 
I thought the defensive structure was better. There were still some moments where I thought the Coyotes had some chances. But overall, like this Coyotes game was everything we've been wanting the Abs to do for what seems like since game one of the season. Yeah, and technically their first win over a playoff team since they beat Tampa on November 27th. Love it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) because they haven't played a ton of playoff teams in that stretch, but they lost the Kings, the Jets, the juggernaut that is the Philadelphia Flyers, and then the Jets again. So they've lost to a couple of playoff teams in a row. And technically, Arizona right now is the second wild card in the West. That's playoff team. It counts. It still counts. Um, but, like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I just don't know if there's much else to say about this game other than I, I was really impressed with how the Avs played in this game. Yeah, it was a good start to finish win. Good first period, good second period, good third period, good goaltending, good structure, good depth scoring. Like, everything in this game was just damn good. Freddie Olsen's best game of the season by two points. Two points had that beautiful setup by Cogliano to set him up for that beautiful play. And yeah, like this, not a not a lot to not like in this game. And of course, we had our scheduled Avs Coyotes fight. Miles Wood after the hit on JJ Moser had to fight Nick Bugstad. I think Bugstad probably took that one a little bit, but they threw some fucking hate makers. Yeah, that that was a fight. That wasn't like an old. That, that was just they were they were punching each other. Yeah, my favorite part of the whole thing is how fast Ryan Johansson got out of there. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he was he like thought, oh, he shit. thought about it. it. He thought about it for a quick second. He was like. Nah, I'm not. Nah, I'm getting out of here, man. Fuck this. I'm out. I'm out. Get me out of here. I'm not dying for this one right now. And I got to say, can the Coyotes get good, please, so that we can actually have like a real tangible rivalry here? I know there is one, but we need this to be like a thing because these teams fucking hate each other. I think they're getting good, man. Like we've talked about getting good, but I'm talking like over like a five year stretch. I want the Coyotes to like pretty consistently make the playoffs. Yeah. That'd be fun. I just want to see games and mullet. But yeah, these teams really fucking hate each other. And it's just the most random hatred for them. And I just, I, I will never understand. Like, because like, it, it fucking... feels random, but also that's like a good five years of buildup at this point. Where right. They, I mean, they've probably played like 60 games against each other in the past five years. I mean, they, there's a playoff series thrown in there too. Random. Yeah. But like, it, it's just. Nathan McKinnon takes it personally every time he plays the Coyotes. And, like, who did he run over? Was it Michelli he ran over tonight? Yeah, Just he ran over Michelli in this game. I mean, he's got the helmet-throwing thing on Connor yeah. Garland, where the one where he got high-sticked with 10 seconds left, I think, what was that, a couple years ago? I was like, they were still playing in uh, the old – they weren't in the mullet yet. Yeah, this was, like, a couple years ago at that point. I think it was the – was it the COVID-shortened season? It might have been because I, re- cause I been. did I did the, I did the video on it yesterday. I, I remember there being tarp on the seats, so I think that was there. Yeah, so. it probably was. But it, it's just the most random like hatred between a playoff team and a perennial loser these past five years. Like yeah. it, it's just the most random thing. And these games are always super physical. And like you had Miles Woodley that hit on Moser, I thought it was a good hit. He stood up for it. Totally fine. That's how the game goes. Dumba, who just always seems to get in shit, is just constantly forgot, forgot he was here. Totally yeah. forgot he was a coyote. Uh, it's just the most random thing. And it's weird because, like, none of the coyote skill players, like, get involved in it. But it feels like all the ab skill players seem to be involved in the physicality. Well, yeah, it's McKinnon leading the charge. He fucking yeah. hates these guys. Right. McKinnon's in there. Rantanen's in there. 
But like Schmaltz, Keller, Cooley, they're just kind of like, yeah, this isn't my deal. Like, I'm just going to yeah, chill inside. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this right now. I mean, yeah, Keller was terrible in this game. I know he was on my fantasy team. He had minus five points in this game, which killed me. But yeah, Nick Schmaltz was good in the first meeting. Didn't really notice him much in this game. Haven't noticed much of Logan Cooley at all. Well, he got bumped down to the fourth line. That's what they were saying on the broadcast. Yeah, he's he's struggled in his rookie season. And yeah, I mean, fun game especially because the Avs dominated so much of it. And most importantly, we're talking about McKinnon. He sets up that play to, to Val Nachushkin, which holds up as the, the game-winning goal, and he extends the point streak. What do you do when Lecky comes back? Do you put Lecky back on that top line, or you just keep riding with Val right now? You keep riding Val. I mean, that I so. if, if it's working that well, you don't break it up. You put Lecky on the second line and hope it continues to solve some problems or – or like you put maybe Lecky on the right wing and have him with Wood and Colton and make that your second line. That's pretty disgusting. Yeah, it's a pretty good second. I, it's the way Val is playing. I love what Bednar said about him because after the Ottawa game, he played 29 minutes in that game. Granted, because the entire third period, the Avs were on the penalty kill. I love he goes. I play him 39 minutes if it means we get a win. <laughs> like it's he's just a machine out there and. It's getting kind of brushed to the side with how good McKinnon's been. Val is back to the Val we saw in the playoffs. He this is 100% one healthy. The, he is killing it. This is might be the most consistent version of Val we've yeah. seen. Because even in the cup year when he broke out into being a top six player, there was stretches where he was brilliant and then kind of faded a little bit. And then obviously last year he was banged up for most of the year. And in the playoffs he was a completely yeah, different player, just an untouchable version of Val Nachushkin. This year, he took a took a second to get going. He had a child, you know, he was probably a little distracted, and then That's comes back with, comes back with the dad strength, and he's on a seven game point streak of his own. And he has been a power play cleanup man all season. He has found a home in front of the net. He's found his hands in front of the net. He's just got such great chemistry with those two right now. And I mean, it helps playing with McKinnon and Ranton. Yeah, that does. You know, if you want two players in the world to have yeah. chemistry with, it definitely helps if it's those two. But he's definitely cushioned the blow of Arturi Lekkinen not being there. Because if this didn't work, Oof. there'd be a lot of points off the board right now. Because that top line is carrying this team to the point where you, you're you not touching it anymore. We yeah. had our complaints about it. You're not touching it anymore. Yeah. That, he had, that is single-handedly winning you games. Is Val up to 16 goals now? Is that 16 for him? Yeah, I mean, because you're McKinnon 18, Miko 17, and Val at 16, I believe. So it's, it's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good distribution. Pretty solid. But that it's getting kind of brushed to the side because of how good Nathan McKinnon's been, rightfully so. Nathan McKinnon is the MVP. But Val Nachushkin is quietly having a fantastic year. And He's, he is on pace for 82 points. He is a point per game I mean, player right now. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, I'm sorry, he missed a couple of games, so maybe not 82. But hey, I mean, he is he's playing phenomenal hockey. I've been very impressed with Val. Miko just, I I think he's just kind of becoming the person for me. Where it's just, I I don't mean in a bad way, but it's just like I I will critique his play even though he's playing good hockey. I don't know why. It's just the way my brain works. Where it's like anytime Miko messes up, now I'm kind of like, come on, Miko, like you're better than this. And it's like, bro, he has like. 48 points chill out <laughs> I mean, it's you go back to two years ago with Miko during the regular season of the cup run there were definitely points where you could point at him and say we know you're good and you're still playing good but it's so obvious you can do better yeah I feel like it's a lot of the same thing right now Miko Rantanen is one of the best hockey players on earth full stop 
one of the best hockey players on the planet right now. And he didn't pick up a point in this Coyotes game, but he that snaps, I believe, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven game point streak of his own dating back to the, the Calgary game. He's just that good that he's going to stumble his way into points no matter what he does. But you know there's another level with him that we saw last year when everyone except him was hurt, that he can single-handedly put this team on his back. That's where that frustration comes from. It's not that he's bad, and it's not like he's not contributing, but you know that you can reach a different level with him sometimes. And even when he's playing well, sometimes you don't see that. I know I'm rambling on it now, but you know what I'm No, it completely saying. makes sense what yeah. you're saying because that I feel like that's a majority of it where everyone's thought process is. And he'll still get 100 points this year. Right? He's still yeah. going to hit that. It's just I, – I just sit back sometimes and I'm like, in this Ottawa game, Miko could have had four goals himself. <laughs> that's how many chances he missed wide open in the slot. We talked about in the Chicago game, he missed a wide open net for a game-tying goal. Uh, it, it's just with, with Miko, he can drive you a little crazy, but he's still very good. It's right, just... because he had the two goals in the Ottawa game, and yet you still point at him on the top line being like Val and McKinnon were still better in that yeah. game. No one was touching McKinnon in that game, don't get me wrong, but it was a very clear night and day difference between the two. Even without the points and the goals, McKinnon was dancing around everyone in that game. He looked like he had the puck on a string, and Rantanen didn't, and that's Fine, you're not going to be like McKinnon every single night, but you can see the difference. Yes, yes, and it's it's, it's just I, I I still believe Miko's a top ten player in the world. It's just when you are a top ten player in the world, I expect you to do top ten player in the world things, and he's getting back to that. He's getting back to that. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. I think my frustration with Miko Moore is like, he seems to like hold on to the puck for way too long. And then he makes like the last minute pass and it just seems to never work. And I think that's what drives me crazy the most. It's like, dude, I'd rather have you shoot the puck 10 out of 10 times than look to be a playmaker. I trust your shot more than I trust anything. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because McKinnon is, has one of the best shots in the league. I've talked about multiple times this season where I fully believe Miko Ranson is the most versatile goal scorer in the NHL, period. There's some people that can do it fancier than he does, like McDavid and McKinnon, but no one can score in more ways than Miko Ranson. He can shoot a slap shot from the point into the net if he wants to. He can score a goal from behind the net if he wants to. He's got one of the most disgusting wrist shots in the league. And there are times, like you said, where he defers to someone else when he has 
a shot at all. I mean, if he has a look at the net, I trust that from him, honestly, more than anyone else on this team. Right. So he right. should be taking it. But right. for some reason, just his, his first instinct is deferral. It's to be a playmaker. It's to be a yeah. play, and that's that's fine. It just that, that's the part that drives me crazy, and I find myself getting frustrated about. Um, but overall, happy with how these two games went. You bounce back from that travesty against Chicago, and the Ottawa game is a little sketchy. You find a way to win. You dominate Arizona, and it's all good news coming for the Abs too. Because before the Ottawa game, we got the kind of breaking news that Samuel Gerrard's back with the team Mm -hmm. and And officially announced the day after that he has been officially cleared to start practicing again, which is great news a lot sooner than I think anyone expected. Um, And hopefully Sammy's back in a good spot where obviously he is, if he's back with the team, he feels like he can help contribute and take care of himself. That Sam Gerrard being back is going to be such a boost to this defense of group. I don't know if I can put it into words just how valuable Sam Gerard's going to be for this team when he comes back. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be brilliant. He's going to come back, I think, with a vengeance. And the most important thing, like people might not even notice really the difference that's going to make, but the strain that yes. is going to be taken off McCarr and Taze and Byram and Manson, the amount of stress he is going to take off of their shoulders, taking those penalty kill minutes back, taking those five-on-five minutes that he eats up back again. Everyone else is going to get so much better around him that it's really not even about Gerard coming back. It's just everyone else is going to be able to breathe because you forget the important shit that he does on this team. And, and it's, I think he's coming it. back at a, he's come back at a perfect time because I think Byron and Manson are playing their best hockey of the year. They're so playing far. great. Yeah. Byron scores in this game yes. against Arizona. Manson's Manson scores. scores in this game against Arizona. And you can look outside the goal scoring for them. They've improved significantly across the board. I was worried when Gerard went out of the lineup, like Byron's been struggling. You need him to step up. That was the main conversation outside of, obviously we hope Gerard does well is that in lieu of him, you're going to need Byron to step into that role. And he he did so very admirably, I will say. But Josh Manson surpassed my expectations. I did not know he had that kind of play in him. He totally stepped up and was a complete top four defenseman. It was great. And then Sam Gerard coming back, I think it's just going to be better for all of them. Uh, Sam Malinsky, I still think, is playing okay. But he's probably going to get sent back down. Uh, when Gerard comes back, it's, but it's I, waivers. He doesn't have to go on them. And yeah. Jones does. And I, I think it's going to be, I feel confident if Malinsky has to get called up again, that he can play big time minutes. Yeah. And by big time minutes, I mean 10 to 12 minutes. A night. I, I feel confident in that. Yeah. But Gerard coming back is going to be so massive. And the, the penalty kill is where I see it the most uh, of where this team's struggling. Cause when McCarr and Taves are out there, the penalty kills fine. But when you got down to that second pair with Manson, Johnson, and Byram, that's where a lot of the shit happened. And Gerard, say what you will about him, he is a very good NHL defenseman. And I think we might get potentially, like, we're getting the best version of probably Sam Gerard as a person. I'm very intrigued to see how that translates to on the ice. Yeah, Because now that his his personal life is kind of hopefully taken care of and he feels like he's in a good spot – 
I'm very intrigued to see how the hockey player Sam Gerard does now. Because yeah, like we we don't really know how much this has affected right. this game over the years, and we will never know. And we're just going to have to be fine with that because that's none we'll of our make- business. None of our business whatsoever. <laughs> but if Sam Gerard comes back and is the best version of Sam Gerard we've seen in like three years. That's scary, man. That's a horrifying thought yeah. to think about with Kale McCarr still kind of battered as he is. Honestly, it might give them room to take Kale out again. If right. they, too, if they feel like his, his injury is not responding the way they would have liked. And you put Taze with Gerard, which has worked in the past when they have done it. And you can keep Byram with Manson for the moment, at least, and give Malinsky a little more of a look like, opens up a lot of exciting avenues to put a top four defenseman like Sam Gerrard. He is a top four defenseman. As much as people do not want to give him that credit, he absolutely is. is. It's going to open up a lot on this team. And this defense, I know it has not looked good on paper recently, or it has looked good on paper, just results wise. It's been a little questionable lately. A lot of breakaways, a lot of breakdowns. You put Gerrard in and you have the guys who performed in his absence, still keeping that up going to solve a lot of problems on this team. And you have Malinsky who performed for you while he was here, I think better than we could have expected. Way and better. Caleb Jones is fine. Like a, he's, ex, he's an extra guy. Yep. Jack Johnson was good. No complaints about him. And th- this defense suddenly is looking pretty good. As it, It's better. It's better. That That's kind of where I'm at with it. And I'm excited to see Sam Gerrard back. It's going to be, we still don't know when it's going to happen. It could be after the Christmas break. It could be not till the new year. We, we yeah. don't know. He's at least back with the team. They're getting him back up to speed. And I I cannot wait to see him play because you know he's scoring in his first game back. He's going to score a goal. He's going to do something in his first yeah. game back. He's going to El Tornad his way through it and just fucking go off. But I'm very excited to see that. And that wasn't the only abs player came back. Uh, Arturi Lekkonen's back skating with the team, technically. He's in a red non-contact. But that was a welcome sight as well. It went from him, he was just skating by himself, to now he is skating with the team again. Yeah, it's seeming like he's a little bit ahead of the schedule that they proposed a couple of weeks ago. Because I think Bednar said, what was it, a couple weeks ago? Eight to 12 weeks? Yeah, it was uh, a 10 to 12 week timeline. And we hit six weeks yesterday, and now he's on the ice in a non-contact skating again. I don't think he's going to be back following the Christmas Ooh. break, but he's kind of on the timeline we thought he would be on when this January. happened, like New Year's at the earliest. I imagine, based on where we are at right now, maybe a week or so into January. See, we- I'm I'm of the mind like I would I want our Trey Lekkonen back at a hundred percent, and the team's yeah, kind of held absolutely. held. Held it so unless he's a hundred percent, don't put him out there. That's right. kind of where I'm at with and it. Like, and they're not going to be irresponsible right. and, and put him out there before we're ready because we're not in dire straits yeah. at the moment. The Avs are still tied for first in the division, even if they don't have the advantage in games in hand. Again, you got 50 games left. Is yeah. we're in that weird point of the season where you start talking about awards, you start looking at the playoffs and stuff who's in and out, forgetting that you still have more than half of the season to play. Like the Avs are at, what, 33, 34 games right now? I want to say it was 34. Yeah. like they've still, be more than that. They've still got a long ways to go. In 34. This. Yeah, they're at 34. So they've got 48 games left on the season still to play. There's time. 
Like there's they're not in dire straits. They're still leading the division. If Lekkonen is going to take, he's already ahead of schedule. This is yeah. already better than they expected. So I I don't think they're going to to rush him. No, but that adding a top six forward back into your lineup is going to be very good. And I mean, as it stands right now, like things are looking okay. And then they said stuff about I can't remember what the exact quote was, but Bednar said Landeskog is on pace to return to the ice, hopefully sometime soon. Still nowhere close to playing, but that's encouraging that he's going to be on the ice. Yeah, he's happy with his progression is what I believe the the quote was, and that he may hit the ice soon. He's not, he, The exact quote is, I do think he's probably close to hitting the ice. That can change at the training and the rehab. I do think he's moving in the right direction. And it's on the horizon sometime soon, and I don't like this optimism that's giving me. I no, I hate it. I'm hate the same it. way. Like, don't tell now, me anything about Landeskog until I still love your idea of just when he finally plays, just have the stone cold Steve Austin music come in, glass shatter, and gave. That's all. I don't want to get my hopes up because I'm I'm not ready to get hurt by it again. I'm not ready to get hurt by it again. But I I, I hate that I'm thinking about it now. It's like this, oh, team, I, this team goes on a run. Yeah, Landeskog comes back for it because I'm back in the playoffs. I watched a, a highlight video of him yesterday, which was all of his goals during the that that season, the cup season. Oh yeah, yeah, the thirty goals he had in fifty games, and then comes back for the playoffs and just scores some massive goals in that too on one leg. It felt so re- <laughs> so surreal watching that. Just like holy fuck, we just like have this guy just waiting to come back in the lineup right now, and we've still managed to be as good as we are inconsistent and struggles as it is obviously like any team, but we've been missing the fucking captain of this yeah. team who was still scoring at well above a 30 goal pace. He finished the season before he got hurt at 30 goals in 50 games and was hurt in the playoffs and was still as effective as he was One per game player in the playoffs. Yeah. Major, major surgery that has knocked him out for two regular seasons. Now we've just been missing that the whole time. And it's going to come back eventually. I sure hope. I, I can't wait. Can you imagine that game, his first home That's game? That's what I'm telling you, man. That's why I don't want to know about it. That's what I'm saying. Know. Like, just surprise me. Well, actually, don't surprise me because if it's a regular season game, I want to go to yeah, that in game. In the regular season, that's fine. But if it's the playoffs, like, again, Western Conference Final, yeah. Game 5, Vegas, whoever at that point, can you imagine that reaction oh. That would probably be the loudest ball arena has and will ever be. Yeah. If Landeskog is in the starting lineup and they don't tell anyone and they just announce it, that place will blow up. They will have to, the glass on the ice will shatter and they will have to delay the game. Dude, I'm just, I, now my brain's thinking about it too. And I just, I just, oh, he solves every problem. We talk about this every episode. Every problem this team has, Gabe Landeskog fixes. I, I know there's going to be a video in the next three weeks. Evan's going to post of, oh, look who's on the ice today, Gabriel. And I'm going to be like, let's fucking go. We're back. And it's going to be just – I'm preparing myself mentally for that. Um, but my point I was trying to get to, like, everything seems to be going in the right direction for the Avs right now. <laughs> it doesn't always seem that way. But I when know. You, when you look at the big picture and you take away some of the – Horrible losses and mistakes. And you look at the big picture. This team is still tied for first in the central. In spite of it all, they are still among the elite in the NHL this season. And I obviously think they have work to do. 
I still think there's going to be moves that need to be made. But after the break, you're talking about Gerard coming back. Lekkinen is in the foreseeable future. Those two guys alone solve the biggest problems on this team right now, yes. where you've been missing guys in your top six and you've been having to make do. And your defense has been missing a very key person. A 23-minute-a-night guy. Right. You add those two guys back, major problems are instantly solved that they have not had for a strong majority of this season. Correct. And you're coming closer to the trade deadline. I just, I I feel it in my gut. They're not standing pat. On no chance. They're no not. Chance. They're going to do some big things. I don't know if Ryan Johansson's going to get moved out or not, but I think they're going to do something to give this team the best chance that it can, because I think they have the same feelings that we have about it. There is a team here. There is legitimately a team that at the end of all of this can hoist the Stanley cup. Yes. But not everything is going the way it should. And they probably feel like it's their responsibility with this team. You have to give them the best chance that they can, whether it's Elias Lindholm or not, I'm not going to get back into that whole thing again today, but there is moves that can be made to push this team over the top. And that wasn't really there last year. Yeah. You could have gotten O'Reilly or any of those guys. Does that take the team to the next level? Maybe out of the first round, would they have beaten Dallas? No chance. Maybe, maybe Maybe. anything can happen. They were not beating Vegas At at the end of the day. Would it have been worth giving up those packages and giving up your future to maybe get to the Western conference final. Maybe I don't, I don't think so. And with 2020 hindsight, you take, you take your licks against Seattle and you move on to the next year this year. I think you need to do it. I think you you have the bottom six this year that can compete with Vegas. In my opinion, if you get a full fledged second line center, your team is good, like very good. If you can get a second line center, if they get a legitimate second line center or a, a, just a solid top six player in general, I really do think this team is because it can, they can go toe to toe. I think they can go toe to toe with anybody. I agree. I agree because you add a top six forward in there. Jonathan Duran has surpassed my expectations so far this year. He is playing great hockey. If you put him in a bottom six role going against bottom six guys, put him back while playing with Colton and Wood. That's a legitimate good third line. That is a very good third line. If you can get a second line with Lekkonen, a center, and who who would be the other winger? I'm blanking on it right now. But um, you, you throw in probably throw Drew. in, yeah, Duran. Like it, it's just you have a legitimate team. Like you really do. And I tweeted this out, man. And this may just be you brainwashing me with the Caps. Oh, I, I saw this one. The Caps game recently. If Nick Dowd is available and the Avs don't get him, I think I will throw stuff at the wall because oh, yeah. he would be. I almost, I, I almost was like, I almost tweeted that you stole my idea, but I was going to let you have that one and bring yeah. it to the show. Like, I've just been watching him play, and this is nothing against Freddie Olsen. He's played, he's played good. Freddie Olsen's not a center; he's a winger. He can't win a faceoff. Nick Dowd is just legitimately a good hockey player. Nick Dowd's the perfect dad. I will tell you that. I am a person who watches, unfortunately watches a lot of Caps games, much to my dismay. Nick Dowd does not have the sexy point totals that he's usually had in years past. Still the perfect fourth line center for this team. $1.3 million and has an extra year. Literally one of the, the thing is like, I don't even think we would get him because if he's on the trade block, first of all, the Caps are in the fucking playoffs, which is ridiculous. They're not good. And they're still in the playoffs. And and maybe they fall out and maybe he gets on the trade block. If he does, 
teams are going to give up a lot for that guy to the point where I almost think we're going to get outbid. I know, but he, he, I just watch him play and I'm like, Freddie Olsen's good. I think he's a good penalty killing winger. He's not a center man. He's just not. Yeah. I I think that's one thing they're for sure going to do is fourth line center at the trade deadline. Again, Olofsson's been good. He had a great night against Arizona. They just need a little more reliability in that area going into the playoffs. And Olofsson, guys are going to get hurt. You have no problem throwing him back in. No problem. Probably probably on the wing, though. That's where I'm at, too. Like, it shouldn't be the point where our penalty-killing face-off men should be Ryan Johansson and then he immediately leaves the ice and Andrew Cogliano slash uh, Logan O'Connor taking face-offs. That's just not – it's a recipe for failure. On right. a penalty kill. And it they need a fourth line center. I think they will address that. And the funny part is, and this is bad because obviously he should be better, but I thought Johansson looked really good tonight, but he was also playing on third line. And he's playing against third line guys. He should look good. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at with it too. It was like he he really should be looking good in that right. role because we really can't diminish it anymore. Than right. we already have. I feel like I'm being unfair to Ryan Johansson recently, but it's just we're in that weird spot right now where it's just like if we replace you, we're so much better. Yeah. And it's I feel like he has he's not a failure, he's not a bust. It's just it doesn't it doesn't all click. If like, he was making what Duran was making, I'd be very happy with him. Oh, you got 10 goals out of him. You're not even yeah. you're not even thinking twice about it. It's just he's making four point or four million dollars. And that is what's kind of killing this team right now. Because right. if he was on a min deal, fuck yeah, I'd take Ryan Johansson all day. But he's making $4 million. So I expect like, you have more. At that, $4 that's the thing. Like, If the team's going to make a big move at the deadline, you're not banking cap space this season. Nope. You can't make a big move without trading Ryan Johansson. Correct. There's really no one else you can trade. I saw someone say, like, oh, I think if the the Avs make a deal for Lindholm, Gerard's going to have to be in there as a cap dump. Like, No. That's nope. not how this works. You're going to get Ryan Johansson and you're going to like it. Yeah. And that, that's where it's going to be tough because I, it, it's just the money he makes. If he was making $2 million, it, shit, if he was making $2 million, I'd be like, okay, I can live with him. Yeah. Like as a third line center, $2 million. Yeah. I'd take that, but he's making four. Right. And, and just stylistically doesn't always work. And no. in the playoffs, you can see it right now in the playoffs. They get stuck out there in a long shift. going to get exploited. Yep. It will get exploited, and it will be a reason why this team doesn't win playoff games. Yep, and that's the thing. And I wonder, could you like trade part of like a player's salary to a team? Like, what if they found a way to trade like another twenty five percent of Johansson's salary? And then, like, let's say Johansson's a fourth line center, I'd be okay with that if he's making two million. And you mean and keep him? Yeah. Oh. Okay, because I was like, well, yeah, teams do that. But you mean – I know, but like, what if there was a way you could just be like, hey, Arizona, can you take on another 25% That'd be of really people? funny. You just cut out the bullshit and be like, yeah. can, you, can you cover this for us, please? Would you like, want to be a player on a team that is actively having your salary paid by another team? Dude, it, I think a lot – the entire opinion of Ryan Johansson would change if he was making $2 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tell just, me not. Like, if he was making $2 million and you got 10 goals out of him – and the production, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, for a third line center, yeah, you yeah. can you can bump down to fourth line at that point, not feel right. too bad. Right, that's exactly my point. It's just that Brian Johansson makes four million dollars, and it's like, fuck, we could be using this four million dollars for something else. Right. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like we talk about Ryan Johansson on every yeah. single episode. I feel bad, like because I agree, he's 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 just 
if we traded him, we'd be so much better. Because I don't think he's a bad player. No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's finished in the NHL or anything like that. I think if he just made a little less money, which is funny because he's already making half of the money that he used to make. But yeah, just I just don't think this is the right role for him. Unfortunately, it's all good. We've talked about Johansson enough, but I I think the overarching point that we're trying to make is this team's going to go all in this year. And by all in, I mean they're going to trade their first round pick. If yeah, they have first round pick, pick and a, a prospect that we'd be kind of uncomfortable losing, I think. Like yeah. remember, like when we trade Justin Barron for for Lecky, I was like, oh, that's going to hurt. And like Justin Barron's been a good NHL yeah, player. That's it. Like Justin Barron's a, a fine NHL defenseman who's playing well for the Canadians. Are you telling me you would not make that trade ten right. times out of ten for the player we got in Arturi Lekkinen? Yeah. If you pull off another deal like that, where you get a Lekkonen-esque player in that in that role, whether it's defense or center or on the wing again. He, I'd be I, okay losing Oscar Olauson. Yeah, Olauson. Like, I'd, I'd be okay with the right deal if it included Guliev, honestly. Yep. Like, there's very few players right now. I'm not attached to any of our prospects, nope. really. Like, remember, we're not, we're not bad enough where we're getting prospects that I'm like, you have to hold on. You have to keep it. We're still a very good team. Like, Manson, you're telling me you wouldn't do that trade for Manson again? Hellison's been okay, but... Wait, I haven't what, heard about Drew Hellison in months. Right. Like, you traded for a quality NHL player who's helped you win I a mean, cup. Like with, the, with where this team is at right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins traded essentially every single first-round pick they ever had, and the ones they've kept are not very good anyway. They traded almost every first-round pick they've had to continue to bring in good players, and they just made smart signings. You can get by not always having draft picks as long as you're just good at your job and yeah. bring in good players and bring in smart money. And this team's not afraid to go out and sign college free agents. Sam Malinsky was not in this organization at this point last year. Correct. Correct. You bring up the Penguins. There's no way they sell, but isn't Gensel a free agent after this year? I think so. Actually, yeah. You think Dubas would have the balls to trade Gensel to the abs? No. No, not not with the new ownership and not after all the big game he's talked. They're going to fight that to the end. I know, man, but Gensel would be sick on the abs. Jake Gensel on this team at $3 million. Yeah. Half retained. That is disgusting. That's what I'm saying. I just thought about that. But you just brought that up to me for the first time. And now now I'm going to be thinking about that for a long time. It will not happen. Ryan Johansson would be sick on the Penguins. He'd fit into their style perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one for one. one, for one. Um, but that, the Avs are going to go all in. I, I think McFarland realizes that. And, well, by all in, I mean they're going to make the right trade for the right player. Yeah, I mean they're not going to – They're not going to do the Claude Giroux. It's, it's, as much as we want Elias Lindholm, it's not going to be the sexy name on the market. It's going to be one that we're like, oh, wow. I mean, the thing about Giroux was that, like, there wasn't much of a fit there with that. I don't know why Lindholm does fit quite nicely on this team. He does. He is the big sexy name, but I get your point that it's not going to be the name we're expecting. No one expected the Avs to get Lekkonen or Manson at the deadline. You said Lekkonen, but no one expected that. The Manson one came out of fucking nowhere. Oh, yeah. Came out of nowhere. He was first, wasn't he? He was first. And then... It was Lekkonen, and then Sturm and Cogliano were on the actual trade deadline day. Um, it's it, They'll make the smart move, and whatever they do, I'm going to trust it. Like 
I don't blame McFarland for the Johansson thing. He had limited funds. Got he got the player for free. Like, I don't blame him. It hasn't worked. And I think he realizes that and he's going to go get someone that will work. Yeah. I have, I still have faith in this front office to go and make the right moves. Even if two of them haven't worked out this season, three of them have. Drewan could have been a bust. He wasn't. Miles Wood, Ross Colton. They kick great. ass. They kick ass. Oh, I forgot about Tatar. I was like, who's the other one that messed up? And it's, oh, well, yeah. It's the, well, it's the guy who's working out for another team right now. Yeah. Not exactly oh, say this is going to happen with Tatar. Yeah. He's, he's already scored like three goals with them or yeah. two goals with them. He's got six points. Yeah. I mean, that's like top, we, we playing that top was, line minutes. Yeah. We knew that was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll go all in. But overall, man, as we hit this Christmas break, I feel pretty good about where the abs are at. Granted, these two wins help. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if if you lost that game to Ottawa, even if you did win this game, it'd still feel pretty sour going to break right now. But you salvage enough points that right now, yeah, you don't have the games in hand on Dallas or Winnipeg. You're tied with Dallas at 44. You're one point ahead of Winnipeg. They have the advantage in points percentage, but you're you're still feeling fine right now. Yeah, Winnipeg's eight one and one in their last ten. They did this last year. I'm not moved. Like yeah, they're still good. good. They're good. good. They're a good team. I don't think they're going to fall off like they did last year, but they also did do this like exact thing last Correct. year. They're going to be third. It's the Avs and the Stars who are going to fight it out for the top spot for at the end of the season. Yep. Yep. So any other NHL or Avs news before we move on to the NHL news recap? I mean, Avs news, I think, I think we've got most of it covered at the moment going into the Christmas break. I will say this before I forget on the – the recording schedule for the next little bit. Obviously, this one's coming a day later than normal, much like it was for the other episode. This Tuesday, was just yep. because that was that was an accident. That was scheduling issues. This one was on purpose because obviously Monday is Christmas and there's gonna be no games and no news to talk about. So we will not be recording on Christmas. We're just gonna go back to our normal schedule and record on Friday after those games. So we're just gonna be on a, a very mini break. And so that's really it we're just gonna go back to normal and just not do christmas and- dude we could do an episode and I, I honestly think me and you could just record our conversation and that could be an episode it's but kind of i don't think there'd be any anyway. app stock like just just for give you guys even more background what happens with, we spent a good 20 minutes watching a tiktok about this russian basketball slash wrestling uh sport and a full 20 minutes of our oh, time. Oh, yeah. Like, I was actually – I was tempted to hit record and turn it into a bit that we yeah. put on the show. Like, we're actually talking about what, – what what was it called? The MWB. Ball? Yeah, rest ball. In rest Russia, ball. Where probably the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life is someone putting in a layup and someone behind him rips off their shirt and, and suplexes. suplexes him. It's the, behind. It's the most <laughs> random – and it was just a TikTok I saw – and that was a good 20-minute conversation. And then we had another 20-minute conversation about a movie I watched. And it was one of the worst movies ever. Uh, it, where, it was on Netflix called Where the World Goes or something like that. It was produced by the Obamas. Don't watch it. it it's like an apocalyptic movie. It was 
the worst movie. But that was a good forty minutes of Griffin and I. Okay, like, and like and, we're not we're not going to go on this tangent for long. But it it went on that long because at some point Christian's just describing the scene where it's like it's I have not watched this movie, but he says like the Chinese knock out the American radar or whatever, knock out GPS and communication. Right. So planes naturally just start falling out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> the the pilots just give up because they don't know where to go. It's like well. Might as well get yeah. this over with. Yeah, like th- this was legitimate 40 minutes. And then like for the last 20, we're like, okay, let's actually figure out what we're going to talk about on the show. That's well, no, what no, we- no, no. The next 20 minutes was we're talking about our fantasy teams. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about fantasy football because everyone loves to hear about that. Um, yeah, we spend uh, just a ton of time planning the show, as you can tell. Um, we've actually have gotten better at it, I feel we've like. We've gotten better at it. I've started making lists yeah. while I work of things we want to talk about. Because uh, behind the scenes, genuinely, most of the time, there is legitimately nothing to talk about. We no. sometimes literally just go in blind. Yeah. <laughs> I have box scores in front of me and my memories of the game, and that's it. We are a very professional show here. Uh, but, I'm glad but it, we don't like pretend to be snobs. Or anything yeah. like that because i don't no. think we could pull it off no we're idiots we're, we're just two guys who like talking hockey and um, yeah we're idiots that's just a good way to put it we're just big old idiots um so yeah if you guys want to hear that sure we can record on on tuesday of just uh griffin and i's thoughts and we'll just, just record thoughts this we just on. like the, we would have to probably put it under a different podcast name yeah just, <laughs> just create a new twitter account and have the super fans find it if Honestly, you want yeah, that, we should just have a new breed of episodes where we just like label it as just bonus episode. There is no hockey here. Yeah, where it's no hockey. Just genuinely three hours. We just hit record just the talking. second we hop in the zoom and it's just, just start like, talking yeah, about things. Yeah. We'll just shit talk, like just talk shit and it'll be great. Um, well, that's that's podcast are, I feel like <laughs> let's wrap up the show. <laughs> At least we have a theme to our show. We're not just like one of these people who just feel like they have like important opinions on like, Oh yeah, no, life. we're idiots. We've made that very clear. We're idiots. Um, NHL news. Uh, what what happened in the NHL? What, what were we going to talk about? I got told, told I was laughing too hard. <laughs> g- g- give me the list we wrote down beforehand. I mean, the two things I wrote down is we had two Michigan goals tonight. Uh, one, probably the nastiest one I've ever seen from Connor Bedard against the yeah. Blues tonight. And then Trevor Zegers in his first game back pulled it off again. And we're probably just going to start seeing more of these as it goes on. And uh-huh. Connor Bedard, I I can't emphasize how fucked we are. Yeah, and like not just the Avs, the the NHL as a whole. That kid is so, so good, good. and so there's good. nobody around him right like, now. But he's he's probably he's probably already what a top twenty player in the league. If he's probably close to it, I I have enjoyed the fact that people are trying to make the Calder a conversation right now. It's not. It's not even close. It's like I get Brock Faber's been good this year. Stop. It's a guard. You don't have to try to make this a thing. The Calder might just not be a very interesting award most of the time. I think yeah. we can start to be honest with ourselves on that front. Connor Bedard's the best rookie in the league. Yeah. It's really should not be a conversation. Yeah, Brock Faber's been good. Let's be real with ourselves here. No one is even on Bedard's oh, team right oh, now. And it's just so fucked he plays for Chicago. I'm and so mad about it. It's I'm so uh, mad about it. it. It's so fucked. He is so good. And he's already so good. I, I was hoping he'd struggle. He's not struggling. He's only going to get better as the older he gets. Like, it's just fucked. Like, it's, I'm going to enjoy these next three years when Chicago's still shit. Because when all these draft picks, and even if they hit on half of them, 
they're going to be so fucking Even if great. they hit on zero of them, they still have probably a good enough pool that if you put them around fucking Bedard, there's all the cap good. space they're going to have to. It's fucked. The, the whole, it's not fair what Chicago fans, hockey fans get to experience. It's just bullshit. And it really pisses me off that he is so fucking good with Jason Dickinson on his line and fucking Ryan Donato. And he's already this good. Yeah. Like Conor is unironically playing with Nick Felino right now. It's bullshit. He's man. giving Nick Felino 15 points right now. Stupid. It, it's bullshit. Um, yeah. And that goal was fucking awesome. And I hated it. And then Zegris, I feel bad for Zegris because I still think he's a solid player, but wow. Talk about a fall from grace. He went from being like the next league superstar to, yeah, he's, he's still kind of there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think we just kind of got really excited about a couple of his moves and labeled him as the next big superstar when he kind of wasn't really ever that. No, he's going to be a good player. Like I I think he's probably like, if you look at the ducks, it's, it's Leo Carlson, um, I think McTavish is better than him. Troy Terry's better than him. Like it's. I'd put him still, above. I'd put him above Terry at the very. You would. Point, you put Zegers I mean, above Terry. It's a matter of opinion, really. Yeah. Also, was that his first goal of the year? Mm. Mm. I think have. it was. He's been hurt for a lot. Of I know. I, I know. I'm. That's what I'm saying. But like, I think he still played like good 10, 12 games before he got hurt. But even still. Trevor Zegris and Connor Bedard. That was number two. That was number, number two. two. Okay, so it was his second goal of the year. But yeah, we're probably just going to start seeing more of these because I think we're starting to realize the Michigan is actually a very viable way to score. Correct. It's, not, it's really not showboating. Like, if you have the defense and the goalie sleeping, if you do can it. pull that shit off, it's kind it's of it's, John it's kind a really smart way to do it. Yeah, John Tortorella is pissed watching this right now. I don't even know if he's seen. His team's in the fucking playoffs right now. Yeah, he's probably feeling good. Yeah, uh, Connor Bedard's really good. Trevor Zegras, still a good player, but yeah, it, it's fuck Connor Bedard, the Chicago Blackhawks. Fuck him. We're gonna hate the shit out of the next yeah. fifteen years. Well, and it sucks because I really like Connor Bedard. I think he's a good kid. He is. He is the perfect next face of the league yep. in every conceivable way. He's like kind of funny too. Yeah. He has he's a really funny, dry sense of humor. And he he's good at handling the media, even at 18 years old. If he was just literally anywhere else, yeah, be perfectly fine with it. I mean, the the other part that sucks is Chicago in terms of marketability is probably the best place for him to be. I know it's bullshit. Like, it just pisses me off, man. Like right? you should be able to go from one dynasty and have three years of shit to another dynasty. Like, granted, way far ahead. But I the really amount don't. Of assets, I, we we all know where this is going. Yeah, the we amount all... of assets they have, if they get one of these two kids in the draft this year to go with Bedard, it's just not fair, man. Like it's not fair. It's just I, I have to go look at what the what Tankathon's saying right now about them. They're they right now I think have or I think the Sharks are they have the second best odds. Yeah, they, they have, have the, the second best, best odds. odds of the number one. Like imagine they get Celebrini. If they get Celebrini or Iserman, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It pisses me off, man. And let's see. I'm just going to sim the lottery once you win it. Oh, good. And this one, they fell to four. They get that this stud one, This D one I simmed, out. nothing changed. It was Sharks one, Hawks two. Yeah. Like, even this one, still. the Ducks get the number one pick. In the yeah. Nine. Even still. The Hawks, like, I know we like, oh, we're going to get ahead of ourselves. 
No, we're not. We all know where this is going. Everyone hates the Hawks, and they're going to be the villain for the next 15 years. They're going to have Bedard and probably Iserman and Frank Nazar and all the other guy, Kevin Korczynski. They're going to turn into a absolute wagon of a hockey team, and it's going to be the worst thing ever. It's going to be the worst thing ever. Oh, this this lottery was fun. It has the, the Kraken jumping up to two and grabbing Iserman. Yeah, I like, I like simming these lotteries because they never happen, where yeah. you get like an actually interesting result where it's like the – the ninth pick jumps up to number one. Like <laughs> when does that ever happened? I know we had like a couple of them for a few years where it was like the hurricanes jumped up to number two from like 13, but like recently it's been like, uh, yeah, the number two team moved up one spot and got them. Like we put all this shit into the draft lottery. I, I wish this Nothing one I just happens. got is the one that worked because it's the senators get the one Kraken get two sharks, get three Hawks, get four. Like, I don't know. That'd be cool to see Macklin celebrate with Tim Stutzla. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. I want a crazy lottery this year. Like I want like the 10 team to get them. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. As long as it's not Edmonton. Yeah. Like uh, this one I did, like the, the blues moved up to number two. I don't want that. Gross. Gross. Yeah. Don't want it. No, we're good. But yeah, fuck, fuck Chicago and fuck Connor Bedard for being so awesome that I, I can't hate him. I right. don't hate him. It's I not just his fault. I just hate that he plays for Chicago. Um, I also just thought it was very funny. uh, That Leafs-Sabres game, you want to find a team that quits in a game, uh, go watch that Leafs-Sabres game. The Leafs quit in that game. And I I don't know about you, but the first thing that I do whenever the Maple Leafs lose a game uh, is I go watch Steve Dangle's reaction. (laughs) And he always delivers, man. He always delivers on it every single time. Um, talk about goaltending problems. Uh, Elias Samsonov is making $3.5 million and has been a cheese grater in the net. He has been terrible. Yeah. We were talking about goalies earlier. He's one of the worst in the league in terms of save percentage of guys who've like actually played games so far yeah. this year. He is, do you want to get, do you want to guess what his numbers are right now? I think he he's down to like an 848. It's not that bad. He's an 871 right now, which is not good. But no. the only two goalies below him are Arvid Soderblom and Antti Ranta. That's the end of the list. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, yeah. The Leafs are so good, but that was just very funny to see them lose 9-3 to three to a team that gave up nine goals earlier in the week. The game uh, before. They gave yeah, up nine game goals before. Blue Jackets. Yeah. And – Buffalo is still just one of my favorite teams. Uh, Eric Johnson, if you didn't see the video of tonight, had one of the funniest reactions in the penalty box I've ever seen. Um, he legitimately, I think, wanted to fight the ref. I, that was oh, first yeah. I think that was his screen. intention when he came out there. He was like, I'm going to beat your ass. He was like, yeah. oh, wait, that'll probably get me suspended the, ref. the year. That was that was very funny. Um, and then just to end the episode, how does it feel, Nashville? How does it feel? You give That, was, two- that was worse than what we did. Oh, that was way worse. That yeah. was way worse. Uh, they give up two goals in the final third, like 12, 20 seconds of the game. Yeah. Like losing regulation with 17 seconds left. The stars tie the game at two and look like they're going to send the game to overtime. And just a, a point shot from Yanni Hockenpah goes straight through. And with two seconds left, the stars go from losing to winning in regulation. And yeah, Sucks to suck, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't feel very good. Happened in Nashville. Like, could not have been better. The only thing that sucked about it is it's Dallas, which Dallas. does not help us at all. It actually kind of screws us. So fuck you for that too, Nashville. You've given up. You've given up four points for us in this kind of situation so far this year. 
It was very, very fun. Like watching the highlights of that, I was like, holy shit. It was kind I, of I, text, I was I was I was I was grocery shopping and yeah. I saw it. I was like, is that real? Did that happen? Oh, dude, I had a terrible day gambling today. I, I think I lost I, I bet on the predators in that game, lost that one. I lost the caps in a shootout after they had an offsides goal get overturned. I had the Sabres losing overtime after they had two breakaways in overtime, couldn't score. Um, I did have the Avs minus one and a half, so I did win that. But it was not a great day gambling for your boy. Very sorry to hear it. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. But I also I also did not win any money gambling today. No, you can't. So yeah. that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> good thing. I get to keep my job. Yeah, I keep your job. Um, but I don't think I have anything else, man. No, I, I think we've talked about everything. I also think we've been going for like 90 minutes. So yeah, I mean, right, like we're, we're we're giving them time off in between. Man, you spread out the episodes now until until our next one. Yeah, you, you know, you listen to this in 15 minute increments until the yeah. next episode comes out and you're set. You're set to go. I know I know everyone misses us when we're not around. So I know Oh, we're, dude. When we're can daily. you imagine if like someone's driving and their family Turn left are- now. You have to turn left. You're going to miss your turn. <laughs> yeah. Hey Siri, um can you imagine if they're playing us in front of their families and then they just go, this guy's an idiot. I actually triggered Siri. I was going to what? You just sounded like you went underwater. <laughs> can you hear me? I can, I can still hear you, but you sound like you're in a tunnel. Dude, I actually triggered Siri there. I, I tricked myself. I paused the episode because I didn't realize what happened. But yeah, yeah, I actually triggered Siri. But to my point, can you imagine if like people are, are, are driving and their families and they go, you listen to these idiots? Like, like God damn. What the hell is this? This is, like, got, this, is kind of, this is the kind of podcast when someone comes to talk to you, you like slyly pause it and like. Correct. So people don't know you're listening to it. Correct. Correct. So, um, yeah. Shout out to you guys. Um, but yeah. I, I, let's end this episode before we go. It's one. It's almost two o'clock in the morning where you're at. So we, we need to go. Yeah. We need to like, <laughs> wrap up this fucking yap session. This is ridiculous. <laughs> we're gonna wrap this one up here thank you all so much for sticking around with this fucking nonsense i don't know why you people put up with us but thank you so very much for tuning in to another edition of the tell it abs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network you can use promo code tell it abs it is on SeatGeek for 20 dollars off your first order of 50 dollars or more if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the holidays, and let's go abs. <laughs>